Ion 2020, episode 172. Have 2020 vision with Ion 2020, your source for the news and events in the lead up to the 2020 presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date daily until November 2020 with a libertarian perspective on the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for joining me. Now let's clear our vision. We are marching through to November 2020, and this is Ion 2020, your source for the news and events, the things that are going on in the 2020 election. My name is Ray. I am your host. Thank you for joining me again, bringing you this show Monday through Friday. I really do enjoy it. It's something that, I, that is a labor of love for me, and I appreciate all those that continue to listen day after day, finding all the news and the events that are going on in the 2020 election is my goal. I spin it on a libertarian perspective, making sure that you understand that I am focused in on the candidates that are looking towards limited government. So haven't found too many of those yet. Libertarian candidates are not really running right now. Uh, you hear a little bit here and there about some speculation of who's going to run and stuff, but uh, there's not a lot of you know hype around those guys right now, those guys and gals right now, actually. But uh, you do have lots of conversations about the Democrats and the Republicans and who's going to talk to, you know, try to take Donald Trump out on the Republican side and which of these Democrats are going to promise the most to their constituency in order to get them to elect them. Uh, so, yeah, there's lots of promises and stuff. And uh, I always focus on the limited government side of it. So uh, that's the spin that you're going to get from this show every single day on the news and the events of the 2020 election. So thanks for joining me every single day. I appreciate that. All right. Um, today, what I wanted to talk about was the polls. And uh, so for the next week or so, actually, what I'm going to be talking about is the candidates and uh, the ones that are going to be in the debate on September 12th. So the other day on Wednesday, you guys heard the Elizabeth Warren episode, then you heard Bernie Sanders yesterday, and today I'm going to cover uh, the other front runner, and that's Joe Biden, okay? So I got the three front runners pretty much covered for this week and then next week i'm going to go through all the other ones as well i think there's gonna be 11 or 12 that'll end up getting in as of recording um you know they pretty much wrapped up who's going to be in the debates now so uh we're going to see how that ends up turning out but i'm going to go ahead and go over each one of those people over the course of the next week and a half just before just before we uh start just before they start the debates on september 12th um for now i'm going to talk about Joe Biden today, but before I got into that, I wanted to talk to you guys about some of the polls that came out uh, recently as well, and it's kind of telling because what happened was there was a poll that came out just before the weekend last weekend, and it was showing that Joe Biden was actually losing to Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, but then on Tuesday and Wednesday of this week, a bunch of new polls came out, like tons of them, and they were all showing Joe Biden at like 30% plus, it was showing uh, all the other guys way below Joe Biden. Joe Biden was like nine points, 10 points, 12 points on one of them. And it really showed that that particular poll was a total outlier, the one that was showing him losing, because all these new ones that came out were the, just showing him totally winning big time. And uh, that's that's just showing how strong of a candidate is. As soon as, the, as soon as that other poll came out that showed that he was starting to lose some ground, though, I mean, I'm telling you what, the media started hyping it up as if he was out, that he was on his way out. Even I was looking at it, and I didn't realize at the time, but that particular poll had a standard deviation of like six points. 
plus or minus. So, I mean, it could have showed him at 26 points. It could have showed him way less than that. And it was just a terrible poll that was done. But the, the media really hyped up on that thing and acted like he was just about getting out of this race. You know, the other people are creeping up on him. But now the polls that came out on Tuesday and Wednesday were just showing Joe Biden right up there. I mean, he was um, he was basically just where he has been for the last for the last several polls as well uh, before that. Like on the Quinnipiac poll, he's at 32 points with Sanders at 15 and Warren at 19, Harris at 7, Buttigieg at 5, Yang at 3. Then you got Cory Booker and Beto O'Rourke at 1% along with Tulsi Gabbard. And then uh, Klobuchar gets 1, Bullock gets 1, and Williamson gets 1, Castro gets 0. I mean... That If that poll were the one that was going to get people into the debates, you'd only have Biden, Sanders, Warren, Harris, Buttigieg, and Yang in the debates. And Yang's actually been creeping up there. It's pretty impressive. He's he's, he's uh, above 2 and 3%. Some polls are showing him 4% as well. The USA Today Suffolk poll, uh, that's a national poll. It was done, same with the Quinnipiac poll was done as a national poll as well. But you got Biden 32%, Sanders 12%, Warren 14%. So Biden's up 18 points on that poll. And then the Economist poll that came out, which is a national poll, is showing Biden at 25 points, Sanders at 14, Elizabeth Warren at 21. So an Economist has been polling with Joe Biden a little bit lower on a lot of the polls that they do with him than uh, than on the other ones. But the other ones are showing him at pretty high high levels. So... Uh, that's good for him. It makes it puts a little bit more fire under his wings and makes people realize uh, that he he is electable. I guess is what they're trying to say, and that's the that just reinforces people's minds when they say, "Am I going to support Joe Biden or not?" And it reinforces it because I mean, all the polls are showing. And again, on Tuesday, more polls were released: Emerson, Politico, and The Hill. Biden's at thirty-one on Emerson, thirty-three on Politico, and thirty on The Hill. He's up 13 points over his competitors on two of those polls. Um, the next best one was um, or, uh, Bernie Sanders at 20%. And then uh, one of them, Bernie Sanders at 17%. So, and then another one, Biden versus Sanders, 31 to 24% with Elizabeth Warren at 15%. So she's definitely a third place candidate on a lot of these polls. Tulsi Gabbard's getting 3% on one of those, but 1% on the rest. Uh, Beto O'Rourke looks like he's sliding. I mean, he's getting 3% on a couple of those, or on all three of those polls. But in the next polls, the next day that were released, he's showing a little bit less than that. He's showing 1% and 2% mostly. So, um, I mean, his hype's pretty much gone, guys. You know that. Uh, let's see. Oh, Kirsten Gillibrand. That's the other piece of news that I want to talk to you guys about. Uh, well, not talk to you guys, but just let you know. Kirsten Gillibrand has, or Gillibrand, I think is how you pronounce it. She is out of the race. She doesn't even show up in any of these polls anyway. Um, so, I mean, her her campaign was a sinking ship. She did come into it, though, with a lot of hype because she was the senator that took over Hillary Clinton's seat. She's a pretty lady, blonde hair and all that stuff, you know, and uh, possibly looked presidential. She speaks well and all that. She seemed like she was having a lot of fun out there on the campaign trail. That's the way they tried to position her, but she never got any traction. She didn't even have a lot of conversation in the debates as well. So, I mean, she was just one of those candidates that was that was destined to get out of there pretty soon. So, 
Uh, that's the that's the first point of the topic that I want to talk about with you guys. And then the last last thing we're going to talk about is the candidate that I'm going to have as the feature today, and that's going to be Joe uh, Biden. He I'm going to just gonna hop onto his website really fast because that's what we're going to be talking about is what is the public face of what they're talking what they're um, the soul of their campaign, right? Everything that's written in their in their about their campaign is going to be written on their website. I mean, that's what they're talking about. So Elizabeth Warren, she's supposed to be the woman that has all the ideas. She's supposed to be the woman that is basically has a plan for that. And when I looked at her website, I did not see a plan for that. And then you hop on to Bernie Sanders' website, and he doesn't even position himself as the guy that has a plan for that. He positions himself as the guy that's going to take on the special interests and take on the big money in Washington, take on the millionaires and billionaires and all that. And if you look at his website, he really does have a plan for all that stuff. You know, it's all laid out there pretty, pretty, uh, pretty much on his website and it shows it. But like I said in my, you know, on the show yesterday, I did not like the ideas that he had. I, I agreed with him on foreign policy, on criminal justice reform and things like that. To me, he's in the right positions on those things, which those are very important issues, believe me. Um, wars overseas, very important that we wind those things down and bring those soldiers home and stop intervening in these countries. I don't know that uh, Bernie Sanders would go that far because he did talk about spreading democracy around the world and stuff. And you know that America's tried to do that in the past and we ended up in Vietnam and in North Korea as well. Uh, because of those things, trying, the idea of spreading, spreading democracy, and that's how we led when we were going into Iraq, is that we were going to free these people, the same thing we talked about in Afghanistan as well, that we were going to give them democracy. That's not a thing that we should be doing, but at least he wants to wind down these wars and uh, and get us out of those wars, so that's a good thing. But all the other stuff, uh, I was in a lot of disagreement on the economic stuff that Bernie Sanders wants to do, like socialized medicine, socializing the economy in a lot of ways. And um, I always lean towards freedom. I always lean towards individual responsibility. I always lean towards less government, especially at the federal level. So I uh, have to disagree with them on those things. But the the thing that these candidates are going to do is they're going to position themselves on their website. Because there are people that actually go to these websites and look at these candidates and talk about their visions and their ideas and their you know what they want to do for America and so forth. So that's why I'm hopping onto each of their websites over the next couple of weeks just so that you guys can see what their positions are, and then I can show you the libertarian spin on those things as well, okay? So Joe Biden, um, the first thing that is on his campaign when you, when you open it up on the website, he's talking about our best days are still ahead, and then it talks about supporting Joe Biden's thing, or Joe Biden's president, presidential bid. Our best days still lie ahead, so he's trying to you know let, let you look towards the future, right? Uh, I don't know that's a very powerful campaign slogan. It's definitely not hope and change like Barack Obama. It's definitely not make America great again, but our best days still lie ahead. I think he's trying to say that, yeah, things were great now, or things are okay now, but things are going to be better in the future. Whereas make America great again alludes to America was once great in the past, and we're going to go ahead and... Uh, hopefully make it great one day in the future or you know make america great again in the future but right now it's not great but those campaign slogans are uh pretty powerful uh like what you think about with 
Barack Obama's original campaign. You don't remember his 2012 campaign, but you do remember his 2008 campaign slogan, which was hope and change, right? And he was really able to push that home to his people that were listening to him. I mean, his speeches were amazing, uplifting, got people inspired. I didn't like, I, I wasn't a Barack Obama supporter in 2008, but when you listen to the guy speak, you knew that he was going to be president because he was inspiring people. Whereas John McCain, same old, same old, you know? Um, you listen to Donald Trump in 2016, make America great again. Like he was appealing to the older people who looked at America as a great place in the 50s, 60s, and the 70s that were going to get out there and vote for him. They wanted to bring America back to what it used to be and blah, blah, blah. Like, there's always the idea that thing was, things are better in the past than they are today, right? So in people's minds, that's what they think. So he was able to establish that vision of we're going to make America great again. And now he's talking about keep America great. So America's where it's supposed to be now. And if he can, if, if Donald Trump can inspire people to think that, then maybe that'll work for him. But our best days still lie ahead. I just don't think that, that, to me, that doesn't sound like a very strong campaign slogan. So let's go on to Joe Biden's story, though. What is he talking about? He's from from Scranton to Wilmington to the White House with thousands of train rides in between. Okay, so I don't know if you've ever heard Joe Biden's story, but I guess his wife passed away and he was the single father raising like a bunch of kids or something like that, three or four kids. And uh, he would ride the train into Washington from... Delaware, I guess Wilmington, Delaware, every single day in order to be home with his kids at night or something like that. That's kind of his story, that he was just like that that good old-fashioned politician that and all that stuff, right? Um, it was an interesting story, I guess, that kept him. It was a good way to inspire people to vote for him, that he was like a, a blue-collar guy type thing. Um, but he seems like he's been in politics all of his life. His first campaign, Joe practices law at a firm in Wilmington, also works part-time as a public defender. Later that year, he launched his first ever campaign in the Newcastle County City Council, which he won by 2,000 votes. Uh, I don't see the dates on that as well, but he got into, he's been around since the 1960s pretty much uh, in these campaigns and stuff, and he ended up in the Senate, and then obviously you guys know he became the Vice President of the United States with, with uh, Barack Obama. He was in the Senate for 12 years, it looks like, before... No, wait, he was on a committee for 12 years, but he was in the Senate for, for years and years and years, since like the 70s or 80s, I think, before he became... And he ran for president a couple of times as well, actually, uh, in like 1996, maybe in the year 2000 as well. Uh, but that's Joe Biden, that's his little story. So he, he talks about the story, he's trying to build people up, or build himself up as like, you know, the guy that has all the experience and stuff, I think is what they're trying to talk about here. Uh, what is his vision, though? Joe's vision for America. That's what it says on this website. America is an idea. The idea that goes back to our founding principle that all men are created equal. So he's going to talk about equality, of course. That's that's fine. Uh, we do want people to be generally equal. We don't want equal equality of outcome, though. We want equality of opportunity. That's what libertarians talk about. I think that Democrats typically want equality of outcome as well. I'm trying to get into the plans, though. So let's see here. The latest plans, Joe's plans for strengthening America's commitment to justice, Joe's plan to protect and build on the Affordable Care Act, Joe's plan for older Americans, Joe's plan for rural America, 
Joe's plan for clean energy, Joe's plan for educator students on our future. So he does seem like he has some plans on here. He actually has way more plans than Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren even does on her website. I had a really hard time finding Elizabeth Warren's plans, but he has just as many as uh, Bernie Sanders. So he has the people that are putting together these plans for him. So that's what he said. Let's go dig into a few of these plans, though. So he also has restoring the basic bargain for American workers, guaranteeing every American the skills and education they need to get ahead, making sure the peace of mind of health care is a right for all, not a privilege for few, tackling climate change, reforming our criminal justice system, working, rework, or rewarding hard work, not just wealth, ensuring our workers commit and communities benefit from international trade, pursue a humane immigration policy, and rebuild the middle class. So those are what, that's the vision that he has. So let's, I'm going to dig into a, one, a couple of these really fast, just like I did with Bernie Sanders, right? Um, let's start with the one that I might agree with him on, but I don't know that I would agree with him on, on foreign, like on foreign intervention or anything like that, because actually I don't see anything on here. No, there's nothing about foreign policy on here at all because he can't really run on foreign policy because the thing about joe biden is he was like he has to marry himself to barack obama's foreign policy that's the one thing that he can't run on is anything to do with foreign policy because barack obama you know dropped bombs on just as many people as george bush did i think he even dropped bombs on more people and killed more innocent civilians around the world and started escalations in libya and syria um, you know, the drone bombings and everything else. So he has to marry himself to that idea. So he has to be a hawk on this, on this foreign policy issue. And I don't see anything really on here that shows that he is going to separate himself from that policy. So, um, bam, that's a strike against him right there. That is totally a strike against him right there. Let's hop into something else. So what does he want to do with the Affordable Care Act? And that is, uh, Obamacare, right? What is he... What's his idea on that? He's he's burying himself to Obamacare pretty much because he has to. He has to run on he. What he's trying to do, guys, is he's trying to marry himself to Barack Obama because Barack Obama people liked him, people loved him. Um, African American voters loved the guy as well, and that's why he has the African American vote right now is because of his legacy with Barack Obama. So he, whenever he talks, he talks about. Back when I was in the Obama administration, we worked to do this, we worked to do that. And Barack Obama has not endorsed Joe Biden yet. Um, don't know that he will, but at some point, if Joe Biden keeps on introducing and talking about um, Barack Obama every time he gets a chance to, Barack Obama might try to um, step away from that, who knows, and just endorse somebody else. And if that happens, it's pretty much all over for Joe Biden because the uh, people that people that love Barack Obama will probably listen to Barack Obama and move away from him. But uh, who knows if that's going to happen. I think that the Democrats just want to get um, Donald Trump out of office and they're trying to look for the guy that's going to make that happen. And so far, it seems like they're on board with Joe Biden because of that. So affordable care. Let's get into some of these policies. On March 23rd, 2010, Barack Obama signed the Affordable Care Act into law with Vice President Biden standing by his side and made history. It was a victory 100 years in the making, and it was a conclusion of a tough fight that required taking on Republicans' special interests in the status quo to do what's right. 
but the Obama-Biden administration got it done. Today, the Affordable Care Act is still a big deal because death of Obamacare, over 100 million people no longer have to worry about that an insurance company will deny coverage or charge higher premiums just because they have pre-existing conditions. Over 100 million Americans no longer have to worry. So when they sold the Affordable Care Act, it was like 20 million um, or 30 million Americans were uninsured or something like that. And now they now he's boosted up to 100 million Americans. Wow, that's pretty insane. Um, but that makes it sound like it was just like a, you know, a third of the nation was in dire straits. That's what they're going to, they try to revise re history in some ways in order to make it sound like things were just absolutely terrible back then, I guess. Um, but we got, we all know this. And if you have insurance, you know this for sure. The amount of insurance that I have, like the quality of coverage that I have has gone down since 2008. And my premiums have gone way up. And the amount out of pocket that I'm paying has gone way up since then as well. So, if the Affordable Care Act is considered affordable, well, I can afford it. <laughs> but I don't know that it's become more affordable for me. And I don't know if it's become more affordable for anybody, really. So, um, it has not done what they said it was going to do. Yeah, I maybe I kept my doctor and maybe I kept my insurance. If you like your insurance, you can keep it. If you like your doctor, you keep them. That's possibly true. I mean, I've, I've switched jobs and we've switched insurance companies since then anyway, and so has my wife. So I can't really say that for say that for sure if I would have kept my doctor or kept my insurance. But I can tell you what, every year it seems to go up and every year my deductibles go up and every year the, the coverage uh, becomes less and less or more out of my own pocket for different things. So... Um, that has not helped. And I remember there was a time, I think it was like right when I graduated from college, you can pick out like a, there was a, the company that I worked for, you could pick out a high deductible plan for like 2,500 bucks, but then my company would just give us a $2,500, uh, like a little credit card that would have $2,500 on it. And that was like in some kind of health savings account. And we would use that, and that was like, I mean, it was great because you basically, and oh, and once you hit $2,500 as well, you paid nothing out of pocket. So everything was covered 100% by the company by doing that, and there's nothing like that nowadays um, because there's always some kind of after your deductible, there's some kind of out of pocket until some kind of maximum out of pocket for the year, which you never really hit anyway. So, but yeah, my, I, if he wants to save Obamacare, I th they just need to scrap it and go back to a system that is uh, like it was before that. I, I mean, l actually, you just need to free up the markets completely because um, these people in, the, in these companies will react to demand as it comes out as well. Um, and there's other things you can do as well, like uh, not tie your health care to your employer or maybe give like the way that... it. The way that insurance is nowadays, if you have it through your employer, it is tax-free. That is a tax-free benefit. So maybe if you do pay, ta or if you do buy insurance on your own in a private market, you can completely 100% deduct that on your taxes. That would be a good system. I don't know. Or maybe we just get rid of it all together and just scrap it, you know, um, and just go back. I don't know. I mean, there's going to be free market things that would come up in order to fix these things if you just allowed it to be freed, freed up. Um because like I said, I think I said this on the show yesterday, um, there's like three items of 
in the, in America that have gone up in price. Medical care, cars, and uh, college tuition or something like that are like three of the main things that have gone up in price in the last like you know twenty years. Whereas everything else has seemed to come down in price. Even like a gallon of milk has come down in price or stayed the same pretty much. Um, whereas those things have gone up skyrocketed by like you know seventy five and one hundred percent at some point as well. And that's because the government is so far involved in regulating those industries. Uh, let's get off of the Obamacare thing, though. Uh, obviously, he's going to marry himself to that. That's a winning issue for him as long as he can stick himself in there with Barack Obama. And uh, nobody is going to critique Barack Obama, especially on that Democratic stage. They might say he didn't go far enough, but he was the first black president, so you can't really... You can't really criticize the guy on that on those stages as well. So that's a good thing that, that Joe Biden is marrying himself to Barack Obama. Let's see what his plan. This is the last one I'll do. Um, Joe, Joe Biden's plan for older Americans. So I guess he, this must be retirees. The moral obligation of our time is to rebuild the middle class. The middle class isn't a number, it's a value set. And a key component of that value set is to have steady, secure income as you go as you age so your kids won't have to take care of you in retirement. I already talked about this the other day, actually, because I remember now thinking about it, um, so that your kids don't have to take care of you in retirement. That seems like the biggest cop-out I've ever seen in my life, that he's going to say that, because, yeah, it, your kids shouldn't have to take care of you when you get into retirement, but neither should the government, you know? But, I mean, kids will take care of their parents. That's what, That's something that should be a responsibility of children, and even your community in general, you know? cousins and uncles and family members and stuff like that yeah we we take care of each other and if we don't then the government is going to take care of them and that's going to be a bureaucrat that's going to be in charge of your parent not you yeah that's that's a cop-out absolute cop-out um i can't stand these politicians that do that stuff because they really want people to be dependent upon the government and that just shows that joe biden wants you and your parents and your grandparents and everybody just to be dependent upon the government for that security but there's security in family and communities. There absolutely is. So let's get into the last piece. Hopefully I agree with him on this. Reforming our criminal justice system. Let's see what he has to say. The Biden plan for strengthening Americans' commitment to justice. Equality, 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 equity, justice. These ideas form the American creed. We have never lived up to that. And haven't always gotten it right, but we've never stopped trying. This is especially true when it comes to our criminal justice system. Today, too many people are incarcerated in the United States, and too many of them are black or brown. To build safe and healthy communities, we need to rethink who we're sending to jail, how we treat those people in jail, and how we help them get the health care, education, jobs, and housing they need to successfully rejoin society. So what's he going to do? We must reduce the number of people incarcerated in the country while reducing crime. No one should be incarcerated for drug use alone. Instead, they should be diverted to drug courts. Okay, that I can go along with that. I don't think I, maybe they should just de decriminalize the drugs as it is. But he's gonna if you get caught with the drugs or doing drugs or whatever, he wants to divert you to some kind of treatment. So we're still gonna go to court. You're just gonna go to treatment instead. Maybe they'll make it a misdemeanor or, or not even a crime. Then that would be good. Make it not even a crime. Decriminalize it. That's fine. Um, but I don't see that specifically written out here. Our criminal justice system cannot be just un unless we root out racial, gender, and income-based disparities in the system. 
Black mothers and fathers should feel confident that their children are safe walking the streets. And when a police officer pins on that shield and walks out the door, the officer's family should know they'll come home at the end of the day. Additionally, women are uniquely impacted by the criminal justice system in this. Like, that's pie in the sky stuff. That's not really a plan. Um, no one should be profiteering off our criminal justice system. So maybe he's talking about getting rid of private private prisons there, but he doesn't really say. And then our criminal justice system must be forced on redemption and rehabilitation. Focus on redemption and re rehabilitation. That's fine. He doesn't say anything about legalizing marijuana or making it decriminalized or anything like that, though. I don't see anything that's really like a plan in here to make criminal... I mean, I don't, I don't see criminal justice reform in here at all. And what you need is a way to... I mean, I've said this before. The bond system, the bail system, when you're going to get bailed out... It shouldn't be so expensive. It shouldn't be... I don't I don't know that it should be tied to money because you do consider people innocent until proven guilty. Unless... And if there's no bail, then there's no bail. And if the if the courts feel that way, then they can make that decision, right? But if they're... And if this person's a flight risk, then no bail. But if they're, they're, they're... If they're not a flight risk, then they should be... I don't know. I mean, there, there shouldn't be a system in place where... Uh, one person gets treated where they can get out and the other person cannot, and then that person is forced into some kind of plea bargain because they feel obligated to because they need to get back to work. And it ruins their lives. You know, it ruins their family. Their family's dependent upon them bringing in money, you know? Like, there needs to be a way to fix that. And then they also... The drug laws and stuff, you shouldn't be going to, you know... They, they need to reform that. They need to reform the drug laws so that those things are decriminalized so that so that we don't have people in there for nonviolent crimes for having a plant of some sort right um but yeah so i don't really see a plan for that so joe biden he has a lot of pie in the sky ideas pretty much it seems like to me but i don't see any real real vision here at all i, th I mean this is all stuff that's written by people that um told him what to say in order to get elected all this stuff here goes in the trash whenever a president becomes elected anyway i mean you hear um you hear donald trump though he'll say this is what i promised and this is what i did this is what i promised this is what i did that's the first candidate that's the first president that i've ever really heard say anything like that um which sounds good but did he really get it all done i don't know the thing is is like uh, most of these candidates all these plans and policies and stuff like that they have they'll get one of them done just like Barack obama he got obamacare that was it. And uh, the rest of his presidency was just riding in those coattails and trying to put out fires and, and bombing people in, in in Libya, pretty much. And that was about it. So um, that's the, basically they'll have a file full of stuff that they're going to do. One of those things will get done and then the rest of it goes in the trash. That'll be the same thing if Joe Biden becomes president. That'll be the same thing if Kamala Harris becomes president. It'll be the same thing if Bernie Sanders becomes president as well. Uh, and that's just the way it is. And hopefully it stays that way because you do want divided government. You want a government that does very little, as little as possible, because that gives some certainty in the markets and certainty in our lives that things aren't going to drastically change because drastic changes are some things that are not good for you me or our financial situations um but hey guys that's joe biden for you, you guys know who he is i mean he's good old uncle joe you know fondling women kissing them on their heads and, and making them feel uncomfortable and uh he's also the ex-vice president so you guys know who he is but that's a little bit about what his campaign's all about um the main thing is this 
he's promising all kinds of you know handouts and this and that just like every other candidate is he's just promising it in a different way that sounds a little bit less you know sounds like it's a little bit less right he's he's not promising a big structural change he's promising you know slow steady change and stuff like that and uh the thing about it is is he's still promising as much as he can in order to get people to vote for him he's still trying to pander and we need to change the culture that we will be voters who are look at those candidates they're just trying to pander and see it for what it is and tell them no we don't want that because we want these candidates to be pandering to us those who want limited government so that's the way that we do that is we get more voters that are demanding limited government and that's what we need to focus on is uh changing people's values and changing people's idea of what they want their from their government the more people that want limited government the more the candidates will start pandering to that on the local and on the national level so let's start making that cultural change and you can do that by doing what talking with your friends talking with your family listening to shows directing them towards shows like this one shows like uh tom wood's show shows like the jason stapleton show shows like the lions of liberty um i mean if they like to cook they can listen to the culinary libertarian if they like to smoke some marijuana they could listen to cannabis heals me like there's all kinds of shows out there that they could listen to uh, there's plenty of media there's plenty of things on youtube there's plenty of things on the internet there's plenty of things on tv there's plenty of shows there's i mean there's even musicians that that sing about libertarian ideas and there's just so much of wealth of information out there. there's books and magazines and everything else too so direct them towards those things you know let them know that liberty is the best policy for america um, a policy of non-aggression of non-intervention a policy that says that a limited government is the best government that we have that we the most most uncorrupt government that we could possibly have as well a government that does almost nothing okay and those are the candidates that we need to be looking towards so hey guys i appreciate you joining me today come on this is your friday show right so hopefully you have a wonderful weekend and then you can come back on monday to have clear vision for 2020 Hey guys, I'm excited to announce the new podcast I'm coming out with called First Year in Sales with Ray Eaton. Now, if you're not a salesperson, then it might not be for you. But if you are a salesperson or if you know another salesperson, go ahead and direct them towards this show. It's going to be a show that is based upon helping somebody that's in their first year in sales or maybe even somebody that is in sales already and just wants to brush up on some of the sales skills that they need in order to be successful. I'm focusing on habits and also different parts of the sales process in order to help people to become more successful in their sales job. So like I said, if you know somebody that's in sales or if you yourself are in sales, go ahead and check out this podcast. It's on all of your podcatchers, anything that you would listen to. And that is called First Year in Sales with Ray Ian.